Section 40 of The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dave K. of Southern Minnesota. The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. Part 40. Book the Second. Chapter 6. Barkilfedro. It is useful to know what people do, and a certain surveillance is wise. Josiana had Lord David watched by a little creature of hers, in whom she reposed confidence, and whose name was Barkilfedro. Lord David had Josiana discreetly observed by a creature of his, of whom he was sure, and whose name was Barkilfedro. Queen Anne, on her part, kept herself secretly informed of the actions and conduct of the Duchess Josiana, her bastard sister, and of Lord David, her future brother-in-law by the left hand, by a creature of hers on whom she counted fully, and whose name was Barkilfedro. This Barkilfedro had his fingers on that keyboard. Josiana, Lord David, a queen, a man between two women. What modulations possible? What amalgamation of souls? Barquilfedro had not always held the magnificent person of whispering into three ears. He was an old servant of the Duke of York. He had tried to be a churchman, but had failed. The Duke of York, an English and a Roman prince, compounded of royal poppery and legal Anglicanism, had his Catholic house and his Protestant house, and might have pushed Barquilfedro in one or the other hierarchy. But he did not judge him to be Catholic enough to make him almoner, nor Protestant enough to make him chaplain. So that between two religions, Barquilfedro found himself with his soul on the ground. Not a bad posture, either, for certain reptile souls. Certain ways are impracticable, except by crawling flat on the belly. An obscure but fattening servitude had long made up Barquilfedro's whole existence. Service is something, but he wanted power besides. He was, perhaps, about to reach it when James the Second fell. He had to begin all over again. Nothing to do under William the Third, a sullen prince, and exercising in his mood of reigning a prudery which he believed to be probity. Barquilfedro, when his protector James the Second was dethroned, did not lapse all at once into rags. There is a something which survives deposed princes, and which feeds and sustains their parasites. The remains of the inexhaustible sap causes leaves to live on for two or three days on the branches of the uprooted tree. Then, all at once, the leaf yellows and dries up, and thus it is with the courtier. Thanks to that embalming which is called legitimacy, the prince himself, although fallen and cast away, lasts and keeps preserved. It is not so with the courtier much more dead than the king. The king, beyond there, is a mummy. The courtier, here, is a phantom. To be the shadow of a shadow is leanness indeed, hence 
Barkilfedro became famished. Then he took up the character of a man of letters. But he was thrust back even from the kitchens. Sometimes he knew not where to sleep. Who will give me shelter, he would ask. He struggled on. All that is interesting in patience and distress he possessed. He had, besides, the talent of the termite, knowing how to bore a hole from the bottom to the top. By dint of making use of the name of James II, of old memories, of fables of fidelity, of touching stories, he pierced as far as the Duchess Josiana's heart. Josiana took a liking to this man of poverty and wit, an interesting combination. She presented him to Lord Dirimoire, gave him a shelter in their servants' hall, among her domestics, retained him in her household, was kind to him, and sometimes even spoke to him. Barquilfedro felt neither hunger nor cold again. Josiana addressed him in the second person. It was the fashion for great ladies to do so to men of letters who allowed it. The Marquis de Mailly received Roy, whom she had never seen before, in bed, and said to him, C'est toi qui as fait la négalante. Bonjour. Later on the men of letters returned the custom. The day came when Fabre de Glantine said to the Duchesse de Rohan, N'est tu pas la chabot? For Barquilfedro, to be thee'd and thou'd was a success. He was overjoyed by it. He had aspired to this contemptuous familiarity. Lady Josiana, these and thou's me, he would say to himself, and he would rub his hands. He profited by this thing and thouing to make further way. He became a sort of constant attendant in Josiana's private rooms, in no way troublesome, unperceived. The Duchess would almost have changed her shift before him. All this, however, was precarious. Barquilfedro was aiming at a position. A Duchess was halfway. An underground passage which did not lead to the queen was having bored for nothing. One day Barquilfedro said to Josiana, Would your grace like to make my fortune? What dost thou want? An appointment. An appointment for thee? Yes, ma'am. What an idea! Thou to ask for an appointment! Thou art good for nothing! That is just the reason. Josiana burst out laughing. Among the offices to which thou art unsuited, which dost thou desire? That of cork-drawer for the bottles of the ocean. Josiana's laugh redoubled. What meanest thou? Thou art fooling. Now, madam, to amuse myself I shall answer you seriously, said the Duchess. What dost thou wish to be? Repeat it. Uncorker for the bottles of the ocean. Everything is possible at court. Is there an appointment of that kind? Yes, madam. This is news to me. Go on. There is such an appointment. Swear to it on the soul which thou dost not possess. I swear it. I do not believe thee. Thank you, madam. 
than thou wishest? Begin again. To uncork the bottles of the ocean. That is a situation which can give little trouble. It is like grooming a bronze horse. Very nearly. Nothing to do? Well, tis a situation to suit thee. Thou art good for that much. You see, I am good for something. Come, thou art talking nonsense. Is there such an appointment? Barquilfedro assumed an attitude of deferential gravity. Madam, you had an august father, James the Second, the King, and you have an illustrious brother-in-law, George of Denmark, Duke of Cumberland. Your father was, and your brother is, Lord High Admiral of England. Is what thou tellst me fresh news? I know all that as well as thou. But here is what your grace does not know. In the sea there are three kinds of things. Those at the bottom, legan, those which float flotsam, those which the sea throws up upon the shore jetsam. And then? These three things, legan, flotsam, and jetsam, belong to the Lord High Admiral. And then? Your Grace understands. No. All that is in the sea, all that sinks, all that floats, all that is cast ashore, all belongs to the Admiral of England. Everything, really. And then? Except the sturgeon, which belongs to the king. I should have thought, said Josiana, all that would have belonged to Neptune. Neptune is a fool. He has given up everything. He allowed the English to take everything. Finish what thou wert saying. Prizes of the sea is the name given to such treasure trove. Be it so. It is boundless. There is always something floating, something being cast up. It is the contribution of the sea, the tax upon which the ocean pays to England. With all my heart, but pray conclude. Your Grace understands that in this way the ocean creates a department. Where? At the Admiralty. What department? The Sea Prize Department. Well? The department is subdivided into three offices, Lagen, Flotsam, and Jetsam. And in each there is an officer. And then? A ship at sea writes to give notice on any subject to those on land, that it is sailing in such a latitude that it has met a sea-monster, that it is in sight of shore, that it is in distress, that it is about to founder, that it is lost, etc. The captain takes a bottle, puts into it a bit of paper on which he has written the information, corks up the flask, and casts it into the sea. If the bottle goes to the bottom, it is in the department of the Legan officer. If it floats, it is in the department of the Flotsam officer. If it be thrown upon shore, it concerns the Jetsam officer. And wouldst thou like to be the Jetsam officer? 
Precisely so. And that is what thou callest uncorking the bottles of the ocean? Since there is such an appointment, why dost thou wish for the last-named place in preference to both the others? Because it is vacant just now. In what dost the appointment consist? Madam, in 1598 a tarred-bottle picked up by a man conger-fishing on the strand of Epidium Promontorium was brought to Queen Elizabeth and a parchment drawn out of it gave information to england that holland had taken without saying anything about it an unknown country nova zembia that the capture had taken place in june fifteen ninety six that in that country people were eaten by bears and that the manner of passing the winter was described on a paper enclosed in a musket-case hanging in the chimney of the wooden house built on the island and left by the dutchmen who were all dead and that the chimney was built of a barrel with the end knocked out sunk into the roof i don't understand much of thy rigmarole be it so elizabeth understood a country the more for holland was a country the less for england the bottle which had given the information was held to be of importance and thenceforward an order was issued that anybody who should find a sealed bottle on the seashore should take it to the lord high admiral of england under pain of the gallows the admiral entrusts the opening of such bottles to an officer who presents the contents to the queen if there be reason for doing so are there many such bottles brought to the admiralty but few but it's all the same the appointment exists there is for the office a room and lodgings at the admiralty and for that way of doing nothing how is one paid one hundred guineas per year and thou wouldst trouble me for that much it is enough to live upon like a beggar as it becomes one of my sort one hundred guineas it's a bagatelle what keeps you for a minute keeps us for a year that's the advantage of the poor thou shalt have the place a week afterwards, thanks to Josiana's exertions, thanks to the influence of Lord David de Rimois, Bacilfedro, safe thenceforward, drawn out of his precarious existence, lodged and boarded, with a salary of one hundred guineas, was installed at the Admiralty. End of section 40 Recorded by Dave K. of Southern Minnesota